Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm very happy to have Kimberly Williams as my guest, and let me tell you a little bit about Kimberly. Over nearly a decade, Kim has been studying transformation with over 796 hours of training, five expert certifications, and 14 top-level training in neuro-linguistic-based transformational coaching from three different programs over the last eight years. This means that Kim has studied and intuitively extracted the best elements to create her own proven process so that you can experience true alignment with your goals at a soul level. I chose our topic today to be why most advice on managing toxic workplaces is wrong. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Kimberly. Williams. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And I do want to, before I get into the simple first question I have, I do want to make note that whenever I search Kimberly Williams, you know who comes up all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, there's one million of me, but yes, there happens to be one very famous actress married to a very famous country star. So yes, I'm sure you did. So yeah. I was like, well, you have the same color hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I always give is, where do you live? Where do you call home? Yeah, Washington, D.C. now. Washington, yes. I yeah. have a brother that lives just on the outskirts skirts of there in Fredericksburg. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, near Fredericksburg. I Amesville, or if you're familiar with I Amesville. Fredericksville, I am. I know heading down 95, I'll hit yeah, that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we just sit there with all the other traffic. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so why don't you take a minute and share with the audience why you feel most advice on managing workplace, uh, the toxic workplaces is all wrong. What led you to this passion project? Yeah, so I, I think what led it led me to it was it happened to me, you know, yeah. where I was in a, a difficult environment and I started searching through the internet and I was just stunned with the advice, a lot of which was, you know, all about coping. You know, yeah. it was, oh, you know, try yoga, deep breathing. It was, you know, everything like you can't fix this, you can't do anything about this, suffer in silence. Uh-huh. Um, try to understand the bully, like sympathize with them so you can do a better job of not triggering them, you know, walking on eggshells, all these different things. And 
after years and years in HR, I'm like, none of that works. Like, it's no different than the schoolyard bully. You know, mm -hmm. if he gets away with it once, he's not inclined to stop. <laughs> so yeah. there's got to be some type of, uh, you know, some type of intervention there. Yeah, and either you walk away and that person continues to do what they do, or you, I guess, fight back. Yeah, um, in the grown-up version, um, yes, I definitely yes. don't. <laughs> no, no, no uh, bullying back. Exactly, yeah, nothing physical, but yeah, but there's actually so many more resources for employees and so many more protections than they realize. And as I started digging further, you know, it, it would often appear that sometimes it was an HR individual who was writing this. Yeah. And and that seemed to change the motivation. Like, you know, in, in a lot of cases, particularly if you have an executive and you have an HR person who reports to that executive and they don't want to engage, they don't want to have that conversation. So sometimes they too are putting out advice. So they're not put in the difficult spot. Of I was just going to say yeah. they're avoiding the conflict. Which... Exactly. Yeah. So what do I do if I've gone to HR and... I have this problem and they won't help me. Yeah. They just want to wash, you know, put it under the carpet or. The it's, a, it's a sad reality when that, when that does happen. The absolute best thing that anyone can do is to put things in writing. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that, that can be a very terrifying thing because you're now pushing out into the open. There's no more whispering for help. It's you're making a clear declaration at that point. Um, but what I would love for more people to realize is that one, that's a protected activity, like that's a legally protected activity. And it changes so many things on the back end that they may not realize. So, for example, if you, Vicki, are accusing me as your boss of discriminating against yeah. you, the burden of proof is on you to show that I did some bad thing. But if you put it in writing and you say, hey, Kim, I have these concerns that you've done X, Y, and Z. These are valid concerns. This is affecting me. Anything I do after that point can now be viewed as retaliation. Yeah. And the burden of proof is now on me to show that I didn't demote you. I didn't shun you, block you from meetings, fire you, change your work environment, any of those things that can typically happen all in that arena of avoiding the conflict. You have this protection against me. So if I do those things, you know, have a claim against me and you can have a claim against the company. Yeah. I know um, in my many years of managing folks, I had a situation where I had a person who I was mentoring and managing and um, things weren't working out in the, the timeliness of, of their thoughts of promotion and things like that. But I was getting all kind every time I put them in a leadership position, they I was getting complaints. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, we we tried putting on a PIP, a performance improvement. And then it it came to the point where it was I was um at the one that was um bullying them, if you will, by mm -hmm. doing that. Um so we just moved them to a different manager. And the same problem came about. And so the person ended up leaving. But 
it wasn't something that I was going to fight that battle. I thought, if you think I have something against you, then I'm happy to give you another per person in the group to be working with. And, um, you know, and everything on both sides has to be like, if, if I have a person that I have an issue with, I would always keep logs because I am old and I can't remember. <laughs> but, but also, yeah. but, but also even, um, and I think people only think of keeping logs of bad things, but I kept logs of good things because when I had performance evaluations, I wanted to be able to recount the things that I thought that they did exceptionally well, as well as areas that they should improve upon. And I think a lot of folks don't really take the time to do that. But um, if you kind of can present it that way, I think sometimes it does take away the steam from somebody that might think, well, you have something uh, against them moving forward or mo moving up in the in the company. If you can show examples of, yes, I'm, I'm observing all the good, but then there are areas that as adults, we need to agree that yeah. there's areas of growth, right? And and uh, just because the, the the calendar says something has happened, some time has passed, doesn't mean you automatically are ready for that next role. Right, just because of time and seat. Um, right. I actually frame that as weaponizing the process is what someone is trying mm -hmm. to do. And I'm so glad to hear that you were taking notes because that is the exact correct thing to do. Um, I've actually been in that same spot myself. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I think it, it surprises people and feels weird for people that I love for people to file complaints against me because I, I have high integrity, you know, and I, I go out of my way to protect people and care for people. So if I'm having to have a hard conversation, it's, you know, I know that the, I didn't jump to that point. I know that there was guidance along the way, that there was mentoring, that there were all these efforts and, and things in place. And um, and I'm more than happy to have an outside person, an EEO investigator, whoever come in and question me, look at my notes, look at how I made my decision. If I need feedback, I welcome that. Um, but a lot of times it can be a great opportunity um, if you have an organization where others may be weaponizing that process um, to communicate to them that no, we, we're dealing with facts and we deal with fairness and we want this to be fair for everyone involved. And it's a good signal to other managers that you don't have to be scared of that. You should have yeah. an HR team that's supporting you through that, helping you take those notes, asking, you know, okay, what's the basis for this decision? You know, do we feel like we could defend this? How about we take one more step before we go into those things? And so those conversations really should be taking place um, in a place that has a, a good HR that's, that's supporting yeah. you. And I know throughout my career, we've had several occasions for conflict resolution and, and dealing with uh, confrontation and all those type of things. And I think it's almost something that should be a requirement for, for anything. Uh, I know that even in my Toastmaster world, we have those things. That, and when I was in as a region advisor, I had to um, put that into action a couple of times because it's not, it's not just the logic part. You know, it is your monkey brain. It is that emotional piece that's driving a lot of your actions that is, and your subconscious and, and a lot of other stuff that's going on that has to be unpacked. And you might not even realize what the true driver of the situation is. 
Mm -hmm. No, that's an excellent point. And, and that definitely comes up when it comes up with people's jobs, right? They're tied to everything. You know, if I were to lose my job, I would be thinking about, oh, am I going to make rent and, you know, my child and it, it affects where you live, where they go to school, you know, everything in your life is, is so deeply tied to this one matter that the emotions can definitely yeah. get pretty intense very quickly. And that's one of the reasons why I like so much too, that you take notes, because I think it kind of forces your brain. It's an exercise to say, all right, just do a journal. Cut out all adjectives, all the explaining, and just say, X happened at Y, you know, Mm -hmm. at 9.20 p.m. on July 12th. This conversation happened. There was a witness. This was said. That's it. And it can really help you kind of get clarity around your own story. And I think one of the things that I teach is leading with your heart, your head, and your hands. And and using that feminine, that feeling of your gut really to guide you some. But in a lot of our worlds, and especially this is why I do what I do now, there are situations where you have someone and they don't even realize the tone they use, the actions, the absence of, of caring or um, recognizing that you even exist. I, I had a person that I worked with for years and years and years, and he was in upper position. But prior to his being a top dog, um, he was someone that I worked with closely. <laughs> yeah. And then whenever he became in upper management, um, he would walk by the hall and not even say hi or mm-hmm. acknowledge you. And little things like that, people don't understand how that sets a really an impression of how much you respect them and and there's all kinds of stuff going on in in corporate offices today about the engagement of your teams and trust and integrity and all those kind of things and I think all of those kind of stack up to get Mm -hmm. to that point where that toxic workplace comes out yeah, no, absolutely. And and there's going to be more pressure, I think, applied on businesses. Like, I don't know if you saw where Glassdoor now has what they call like the equity x-ray, where pretty soon reviews are going to be separated out. They're already starting to analyze it to show that there's a major gap between men and women and how they perceive workplace culture. And that, you know, that 40% more men are saying, oh, we've got a great place here. And the women are like, no. <laughs> yeah. And and then when they break it down by race, the bigger gaps come up from yeah. that too. Yeah. And so it's it's good feedback, you know, and in terms of um, leaders, I think leaders who take that apart are going to win here because the world is changing so fast. Mm-hmm. And Gen Z is, you know, is really pushing a lot of stuff forward in, in a, a really good way of saying, Hey, this is abusive. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> you know? well, and, and I always think of the pandemic as bad as it was, was um, necessary in some ways to have us slow down and really reflect on what we were putting up with. You're and, absolutely right. Yeah, and a lot of people, people don't want it. You know, we've got, um, I remember whenever they first talked about doing remote work, which was in the 90s. Uh, and um, it was like, well, yeah, no, you can't work from home. So right away, that trust piece is like, uh, you say you trust me, 
but yeah. really you don't. <laughs> and, um, and it was interesting, I think, whenever people had to work from home, how it was eye-opening, how much work you got done. For both sides, it actually, I, I, I was in a study at my corporate office to see if it was going to work. And so I was one of the candidates. And there were people that actually asked to be out of the study because they couldn't stand being alone. Really? That they wanted, they needed to have the camaraderie, the, the water cooler piece, the, the somebody to um, chat with throughout the day. And they asked to be out of the study. And uh, it was, and, and I also, the other phenomena was that you worked all day. <laughs> so I found yeah. early on, you had to put in your calendar, go to lunch. Yeah. I make an appointment to walk around the block to get off your behind. And, um, and I think a lot of people just didn't think about it. They just thought it was going to be so wonderful. I can just do here and there and whatever. And, uh, and then all of a sudden life happened with all of the workload that you had and you found you were working all day, all night. <laughs> oh yeah. It creeps. Yes. And that time <laughs> you were spending on a commute, you're now logged in and, and going. And so, yeah. And, and that's longer. another part of, I, I think another new well or uh, new realm of toxic workplaces where you're here, your boss is in the office or at home and they never talk to you. You know, um, they never ask how things are going and they never check on you. And then whenever it comes time for review, how do they know? I mean, what right. are they basing it on? Yeah. So well, and also too, with the hybrid environments, they talk a lot too now about proximity bias, you know, that you have a small group in the office and they're going to lunch and, and that's affecting decisions in terms of promotions and yeah. things like that. Putting on teams, and, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all new stuff coming. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. What are some common misconceptions about HR? And I know we only uh, have a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can give you two quick ones. Um, I mean, I think one thing I don't think people realize is how much retaliation HR faces. I yeah. think, you know, that's not something that they talk about in the open. I think that that should change. I think. I think we do need to pull back the curtain more on stuff like that, um, but, but they do deal with that quite a bit. There's a lot of folks on kind of private channels that, you know, are really suffering a lot in their jobs. And, um, and I think it might surprise people just, you know, how much HR folks struggle when they see things and know it's not right. And they're trying to advocate from change, but they, they're not high up enough in the, the tone pole or they're not respected. And so, they're trying to maneuver through those things. And, and a lot of times too, if a, if a CEO doesn't respect HR, you're almost guaranteed a toxic culture because they're not yeah. listening to those yeah. folks and they'll hire somebody who's not gonna challenge yeah. them, push back on them and things like that. Um, so that's one thing, but I also think um, they might be surprised to find out how often they're on people's side. I mean, I know I've sat down investigations and I've had somebody terrified walking by all of this and I'm, I already know, like you, you, you know so much about that climate, you know so much about the culture. And so I'm like, oh, this guy, I've had five people complain about this guy. He's on my radar. 
but then people are afraid to come forward yeah. and I can't, I can't move one way or another. I can't look like I'm putting my thumbs on the scales. Otherwise the whole investigation is tainted and I mm -hmm. can't get to a resolution. So even folks that may appear clinical um, inside their head, you know, a lot of times they, they have a pretty good sense of how these things are going to go. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've worked with folks over a year, you know, to, to get something to a resolution that was very challenging, very political. Yeah. But I was committed to this person from the word go. I can never say that, but, um, you know, yeah. I knew. I can appreciate that. I was a, a mediator um, for one of my districts. And, um, you know, I knew that the person who who I greatly respected was letting emotions take over and the other person couldn't see what was going on even though they were involved in right. it and I and all and all of the recommendations and things that I made to try to um, get them to come to a logical non-emotional decision yeah just wasn't happening and the the final outcome was not what i had hoped for because i knew that the the results were not it wasn't a win-win for anyone and the results were not going to be what either one wanted but they couldn't see that and so you had to let it yeah. just play out sadly and and be what yeah. it was yeah, sometimes you do, sometimes you have to. Yeah. All right, so it has uh, flown by here. What advice <laughs> would you give someone who is experiencing any kind of workplace abuse? What would your advice be? Number one is write it down. Write it down, write it down, write it down. Um, you know, they are gonna base their actions on how you present yourself. So if you, if your words are in writing and they are calm, they're clear, if you're citing their own policies, you know, copy and paste it straight out of the handbook, no one ever reads. There's probably something in there in that it'll make them pay attention because it can play out down the road and they will be looking at that. So if they ignore it, there's evidence that they've ignored it, you know, and that can potentially come up in, you know, a more formal claim, potentially even a lawsuit. And so it ups the stakes in doing that. And, and make sure that you, you talk about how it's affecting you, um, because that can also have an impact if things go further down the road. And so it, it really does put a lot of pressure on them. And then I think, too, just managing that fear. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's really no way around it. Like, if you're terrified to do it, I, I actually was just working with someone this week. We were on the phone for an hour, and I could, you know, tell, like, this felt life-threatening for her. Wow. And I've been in that situation where I felt like as soon as I did something, I was going to be fired. And it is very, very intense feeling. But, you know, more times than not, you know, folks are respected for calling something out. You're saying something out loud that other people know. If you're being mistreated, the vast majority of the time, other people are being mistreated. And you'll be amazed at how many times that one complaint unlocks 40 more and how many people feel safe yeah. coming forward after you. So that was what was going on in my mind. Is it smart for you to try to get people to corroborate or to, um, to be a, a second or third or fourth source to help you um, 
show that there is an issue here, that it isn't a personal thing that's going on? I think it's great if you can do that, but I have watched over and over and over again where folks may, you know, in a, a private closed office be like, yeah, I'm ready to go do this. And it'll completely fall apart <laughs> by the time they get to, to my office as, as much as I try to bring calm and, and create a safe space for folks. If they're really scared of an individual that can change. But I, I know from personal experience, you know, by by challenging a bully myself, it had been going on for decades. Nobody had done something. My cat's interested in our conversation. Oh, I wondered what that was. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at this, so I apologize. But um, I know once I came forward, it, the floodgates open because yeah. the pressure was off. They're like, oh, that person put her head on the chopping block or she stuck her neck out there. Now things are being said. So there's a second and a third. It served me in, in because, you know, I was able to get corroboration. I had already had plenty of documentation, but it, right. it bolstered my, my claim in doing that. So sometimes you, you had to be prepared to kind of walk that alone. So let's talk about um, just you get to the other side. So it's done. Um, how how do you get back that confidence to um, to believe that it won't happen again, or that you can not have that situation rise up again? Especially if that person still is part of a team or in your office or something. Yeah, I mean, it, once you put that in writing, the ball really is in their core. And, you know, and I know um, for me, there were, I had to do this so many different times, either on behalf of somebody else or just, on, you know, for my own sake. And um, I always felt immense pressure, you know, like a relief by getting through that because what you think it's going to be a lot of times is scarier than actually what it is. Yeah. I've also sat on the other side of the table. And one thing I tried to let folks know is everybody's scared when there's your boss is scared, HR is scared, everybody's scared. Yeah. It's not just you. And so in a lot of cases, like particularly going through the, the worst example where it was by myself, when I sent that, there was nothing. There was no response. There was nothing. And then I had a meeting very soon after with my boss, nice as they could be and walking on eggshells around me. Now they mm -hmm. couldn't maintain it. This was somebody who had, you know, let rage fly for decades. So that wasn't gonna last. But every single time I came back again, I escalated, I escalated, I escalated. Yeah. And in the end, I ended up getting a lawyer. And by that point I had a phone book of documentation <laughs> and it was just the easiest thing in the world to settle. So really two things happened. You know, either your company comes back and they address the manner or they ignore you. And now sometimes when they address the manner, they do it so weak, mm. um, you know, and, and I've seen that too. Yeah. It, if a low level employee, you know, breaks the rules and janitor fired on the spot, um, but a highly valued employee, your top sales rep, a chief executive, mm. you know, a lot of times they're, they're, they're going to be afraid of doing something more. They're going to try and say, oh, you know, we'll do executive coaching or we'll do some of these other yeah. things that, you know, may not work so well. And you just have to keep putting it back in writing and keep pushing it back into their court and make them sweat, you know, mm -hmm. and make them say, okay, this is putting more pressure on us. This isn't fixing it. 
and you can continue to kind of escalate there. And hopefully what you'll find is that every time you push forward, you're going to feel stronger and they're going to look at you differently. And they may hate your guts, <laughs> but they're probably going to respect you more um, because you you going to put them on their heels with something. It's time now for us to do a rapid fire. Um, mm -hmm. So what makes you hopeful for the future of work? Uh, lawsuits. I know that sounds really terrible, but if you look at the past year, you know, one discrimination case, a jury awarded $366 million. You know, Goldman Sachs class action suit over $200 million. I don't like that when things have to get to that point, but I think that that's going to send a huge message to employers that, hey, being nice to our people is probably better than paying $200 million. And I think that that, that has a a real possibility to impact folks. States are passing laws like crazy, more than 70 new laws since Me Too have come about. Lawyers are getting so much more creative on breach of contract. Mm -hmm. um, and they can get huge settlements for companies not following their own policies and protecting their people. Um, you know, derivative lawsuits where shareholders are going after boards saying, you knew the CEO was sexually harassing people, you did nothing, you've heard our profits and we're coming after you. So accountability is yeah. really showing up now, and I'm very hopeful for that. So what are the mistakes that HR professionals um, have made that they now have to switch? I mean, what, does, what has to change in our HR groups? Um, I think HR needs to follow their own rules. You know, <laughs> it's true because like, yes. I think there's an internal struggle where HR protects the secrets. They protect the company and that framing means to protect the boss. Yeah. But if I go to you, Vicki, and you're the CEO and I'm like, hey, there's this person over here and they're saying that you discriminated against them. If you lash out at me, I've engaged in protected activity. You've now retaliated against me. Yeah. So I now have an opportunity to do one of two things. I can crawl back to my corner and be like, oh, go away, complainant. You know, the boss just yelled at me. Or I can say, hey, you know, Miss Vicki, um, here's what you've done. I'm emailing you now. I can file a complaint against you now. And I think it's it, it gets into some scary space for boss and HR folks because they're thinking, well, no other executive will ever hire me if I do something yeah. like that. But I did, and I did get hired because a boss with integrity is not afraid of someone like right. that. Right, and they they probably aren't going to be putting themselves in that position anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I think that one other question I had was if if you do feel that it, and you don't feel that the HR group is helping you, where else can you go? Get a lawyer. Yeah, there's there's lawyers in every state. And what I, I really admire about a lot of, you know, plaintiff or employee side attorneys is they tend to be very civil rights oriented folks. These are really smart people who could work for big law making tons of money, but they choose to, to advocate for people. A lot of them have experienced them themselves or they have loved ones yeah. who have, and so they're deeply committed to it. And so consultations are free. Yeah. You know, just, you know, it never hurts to talk to someone, it, you know, and if you have direct evidence, they can help you go down that road, you know, or they can just simply guide you, you know, and say, 
take X, Y, and Z step. And if that doesn't resolve the matter, call me, I can pick it up, you know, and then we can engage in something. A lot of them work on contingency fees, mm -hmm. which means you don't pay anything unless they get they a settlement for you. Right, right. Well, this has been really helpful and um, I'm so glad that you were able to join today. I'm gonna to share my screen for uh, those that are, <coughs> excuse me, watching. Mm -hmm. If you're just listening, I will give you her contact information and um, you can also get this if you go to my YouTube channel or my website. So she is on LinkedIn and that is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.linkedin.com slash in slash Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y dash E like Edward dash Williams. Again, Kimberly E. Williams. And I'm going to let Kimberly talk to you what she has as a call to action for you. Thank you so much, Vicki. Uh, so I work with Walker Advertising and, and we partner with law firms all across the, the country to help folks who are experiencing discrimination and harassment. So if you visit my LinkedIn page, you'll see a link for a free consult, or you can go to this link here. And we have a 24-hour call center you know, with intake yes. agents who can take your story, can connect you with an attorney and um, help you if you if you have a case. So um, never hurts to just talk with someone at any stage um, that you may be experiencing some trouble. So it's just one more free resource for folks. And and I think that's really a great idea that even if, if you haven't been documenting things to just have that conversation so you know what to do. Um, and and go about it in a more systematic, logical way, um, and also have someone that you can get all your emotions out to, and then <laughs> go into the office and be strong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So once again, it's been wonderful chatting with you this evening, and I hope that there um, has been someone out there that's gotten some information um, from this that will be helpful. If you are not the person, but you know someone that's being in a toxic environment, please do pass this on to them as well. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. <laughs>